0: Hello, leaders. I'm your host, Cree Edholm, and I'm so happy you're tuning in today. We have a very exciting and, in my opinion, critical topic that we're covering on today's show. Before we dive into that, this episode is sponsored by Leadership Excursion Company, which is a leadership development organization that specializes in leadership training for teams and managers, team building excursions, and retreats for groups of all sizes. Leadership Excursion Company takes a unique, hands-on approach to learning about leadership. For example, have you ever been in a position where you had to choose between hosting a holiday party for your team or providing them with a leadership training opportunity to support growth? It's rare to have a budget that supports both, and this is where Leadership Excursion Company stands apart. They offer experiences like holiday parties or team-building activities that incorporate a celebration with leadership training. All you have to do is choose a leadership topic, and Leadership Excursion Company will take care of the rest, including catering and transportation. For more information and to book an experience, visit leadershipexcursion.co. So today if I could sum this episode up into one word, it would be change. To many, the word change is associated with challenge, which means it's more than likely something we don't want to do because it's not easy. However, in terms of leadership, having the ability to both recognize and navigate change is certainly an expectation. On today's show, we welcome Pam Johansson and Shiloh Wainer with Variegate Group, where we're going to get uncomfortable And talk about change. We're going to dive into terms like diversity, inclusion, emotional intelligence, understanding gender from a non binary perspective. And if your first instinct is to skip this episode because of the terms just mentioned, I challenge you to hang in there and have a listen. This is an important conversation. I think we're living in a time where we see not only change, but extreme change everywhere we turn in the way we work, the way we do business, our political environment, changes in the diversity of our population. And I believe that understanding where this change is originating from is key and is, is the place to start. So consider this an opportunity to understand where things are going so that you as a leader have the knowledge and confidence to navigate. And with that, We welcome you to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making an incredible impact in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Shiloh and Pam, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you. you. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, so we have some commonalities we, we do. both worked at Zappos in our past, we did. and um, you two spent a number of years there. Okay. And now we are running in the same circles, and uh, we're going to talk about your business in a little more detail. But I want to talk about Zappos a little bit. We haven't had anybody on the show yet who's worked there, okay. and um, you know it's such a unique workplace. Mm-hmm and people moved to Las Vegas to work at Zappos. And um, if you two can just run us through what you did there, what it was like working there, and um, and then we'll get into what you're doing now. Sure. Sound good?
1: For sure, this is Shiloh. (laughs) Gosh, Zappos um, uh, was incredible. I was there for 10 years. Moved from the East Coast to the West Coast to assist in rolling out their apparel division. My background has been in business, uh, specifically in the merchandising world. And so, yeah, what an incredible opportunity, right? I gave them a call and said, you don't happen to be expanding, do you? And they said, actually, we are. So there you go, the universe, right? And uh, moved my family out in, gosh, 2007. And uh continued to do what I committed to doing, which was rolling out a a department, a huge department, um, hundreds of millions of dollars department. Uh, and grew a team of, of one to thirty-six alongside a uh fantastic mentor and gentleman and and boss of mine, uh, Galen Hardy. And um and the ride was just incredible, working um, with everyone when the company was a bit smaller, i.e. Tony, uh, Fred, Steve Hill, uh, just being, having, being that close and, and, and absorbing all of their perspectives, which, by the way, were very different. Uh, the three in particular were night and day from each other and yet balanced themselves out Beautifully. So business lesson number one, right, yeah. right there um, yeah. when I left was really don't look, don't look for someone who's mirroring you, but someone who truly compliments you. And and I have certainly found that, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, the most incredible part of that journey really was the last few years. Uh, my ability to uh, expand and embrace Holacracy, which um, if most of you don't know, it's, it, Zappos is the largest company to take on Holacracy, which is basically moving to a flat organization, right? We heard a lot about it in the press, um, no managers, et cetera, but really it was about forming circles around your work, what everybody should be doing out there. And I was able to let go a lot of what traditional management and leadership held tight. To I was able to allow genuinely and truly allow my team to just flourish and expand and take on specific tasks. And I was no longer required to be a part of every single conversation there. And at this point, I'm I'm a director, right? And with a large team, there were a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations that all of a sudden I could move away from and become so much more productive in other ways. And one of those ways was looking for missed opportunity in our business, and uh, stumbled onto two other incredible women in the company, Pam Johansson and Carissa Begonia, and we began exploring how to improve uh, the atmosphere and environment through the conversations of gender and diversity and inclusion, and then it morphed into generational, and it just um, became this... uh, journey that I, I couldn't stop myself from going on. And, uh, at, you know, after a few years, ladies looked at each other and I looked at Pam and we just said, now's the time to take all that we've learned and explored and been able to test with a company who was incredibly supportive. I mean, they sent me to UNLV for, you know, a diversity officer training. They certified us and everything. And we just felt like, wow, we've done, we've done our work here. It's time now to take that elsewhere and, uh, and share that with the world. And so, yeah, that was, that was a segue, right, into, yeah, <laughs> into yeah. what I mean, we do now. <laughs> that's what I enjoyed about working at Zappos, too, was um, –
0: you know, we live in a city that's hospitality-centric, mm-hmm. and it's just a different type of business model. And to bring a tech company here, and it, when you started working there, it was out in Henderson, and now headquarters is located in downtown Las Vegas. And they've really left their mark, you know, not only in in the retail industry, but also on our city um, because they moved downtown Absolutely. and have helped the growth there. But also from exactly what you're talking about is being on the forefront of, of running business in a different way, you know, really putting the power and the decisions to the, to their teams um, and uh, supporting them along the way. So
2: very, very unique place to work. Absolutely. Yeah. How about you, Pam? Oh, wow. My journey was a lot different. Um, You know it kind of started uh you know to me everything is cycles because i'm i'm the analyst by trade so i just look for patterns and cycles all the time yeah and i actually was very very fortunate at the very beginning of my career to work for a very cultural company but back in the heyday of the early 90s that's not what it was called it was just a fun place to work you know and a little company called network solutions which was um In charge of all the domain names in the world at that particular time and it had a very unique culture and it was one of the places that I really got the most work experience and actually discovered what true leadership was really about Um, and then you know when as my career kind of progressed and went on I actually went to places that were a normal place to work and realized oh my gosh you know, I am I need leaders. I'm looking for leaders, you know, and really started kind of, you know, going through my career, gaining a lot of experience, but really looking for that second lightning to, to kind of take, you know, hit, hit twice. And then I stumbled upon Zappos and it was interesting because when I first was interviewed and first was brought on site, it probably took me no more than 10 minutes to say, Oh, this is where I'm working. And just saying, this is where I want to be because I know what this what this pattern is. I know what this is. I feel I felt this vibe before and this is kind of something that I've been really looking for for a very long time and it was. So, I actually got to experience a cultural workplace twice in my life, which very few people have ever had the experience and it really makes a difference in the quality of your work. It really makes a difference in following your passion. It really makes a difference to understand who you are and what you enjoy to do and and be able to pursue that in those types of environments. Mm -hmm. And Zappos provided me that whenever I came to work for them about six years ago. Um, back in 2011, and um, I was uh, in charge of um, business intelligence reporting and analytics um, from the commercial off-the-shelves products, so that would be Cognos, Business Objects, uh, all those good ones for these techies out there that understand what re- back-end reporting is and analytics, and um, uh, just really, really flourished in that area and enjoyed the people that I worked with and got to have fun while I was doing something that I loved. Yeah. You know, so, and that was it. You know. Yeah, it's something I really loved about working in the tech industry. Also,
0: uh, you know, starting my career working there in the nineties, mm-hmm. and um, it was just constant startup environment. You know, tech was always changing. It was always growing. You know, websites were always you know being modified um you know we went from developers who would develop websites and develop front ends to hey wait a minute our consumers need something different it was just always moving always growing and there were were lots of people who you know like like you shadow you got to start in one you know one area and as you grow and work in a company you end up doing something completely different, and they support you along the way. So, yeah, yeah. So how, that's Very how true. wonderful is that? It's yeah, totally. amazing.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so you two meet at Zappos, and this is really your springboard. You decide, you know what? We were we're ready to do something on our own.
2: Absolutely, we're ready
0: to to branch out and do do something different.
2: It was it was definitely taking a a. A life of its own. Um, once we found that unique niche, um, when we started out with um, with uh, the women empowered group, um, and how do we implement a women's empowered team in to start addressing some of the work culture issues we've been experiencing as women, such as um, you know lack of leadership um, in management positions, uh, the uh, the uh, gender pay gap, of course. Um, and so forth like so how do we how do we make this difference how do we put bring this to zappos and zappos style really you know because zappos really said hey we don't want something that's normal we don't want that normal run-of-the-mill you know here's the canned uh program from end to end we need to put our brand on our stamp on it our something that fits and, and is custom tailored to us so that really you know gave us you know carte blanche really but it really gave us also the opportunity to explore what really works and and what's really going to substantiate change and that's really how this entity really came in is just like asking the wise digging at the truth and and measuring the outcomes you know because it's funny it's it's in when you talk about diversity people like to walk the walk but not you know, walk the talk. You know? Right. And when we found that we could start measuring the, the impact of these types of programs is whenever we've said, okay, this is, this is working and this is definitely something we can make a lot bigger, a lot faster.
0: Right. Yeah. And have a bigger impact Absolutely. on other organizations. And that's the number
2: one key is the impact.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to start talking about what you're doing now, but let's, let's um give a overview of what you're doing what your services are and really where you're honing in uh, where your specialties are and then we can start to dive into those different aspects
2: yeah so there's really we, we look at our where we shiloh and i work together i guess there's actually a little bit more history in there when you sit there and you um you kind of we found each other again following that passion project but really i mean being me being buried in tech and Shiloh being buried in merchandise, what opportunity or what was this, the likelihood of us ever crossing paths if it, we haven't done so? And you know, I was she was there for ten years, I was there for six, so it was again, you know, it it was organic and it was it was it was great. It was um, hey, how can we? How can I help? You know, and that was where everything came from. It's instead of who's in control of this, it came into how can I help? Mm-hmm. What can we try? Can I help you? that well, I can do this. I let me do that. You know, and that's really how that relationship really, really formed. Right. Um, so you know, and it's funny because like people are like, "Hey, you moved from your tech world into starting you know, doing a startup," and, and they're like, "You know, what made you take the leap?" And I, I ha- it's funny to me because. To me, I haven't taken any type of leap. I'm still in the data. I'm still producing, you know, the anal- the analytics and still measuring, you know, the impact of all the programs that um, companies implement to see what those what the impact is for their organization, their ROI to to their bottom line. That's a really good point because
0: we do talk about taking the leap. Yeah, and I'm just processing that in my mind now. And I guess for me, it's more like, you know, you already have a tried and true something whatever it is right mm-hmm. you know what you want to do it but it's like how am i going to do it so it's more like taking the leap of okay i'm going to i'm going to leave my career you know mm-hmm. what i've known behind so there's change mm-hmm. and then how am i going to um live without not having a, a regular paycheck health insurance things like that so those are the types of things i think of when taking a leap is there something i'm missing mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, you're spot on. Yeah. That is the leap. The rest is not. It's a natural, right? It feels mm-hmm. natural and you think, "Oh my gosh, I have so much to offer right now. I I'm I'm ready to go." But you're right, the leap, the scary part is is the loss of that security. But right. otherwise, it's it's where you're supposed to go. It's yeah. where you're supposed to be, for sure. It's, it's funny because when you say when you what you've just described
2: is fear. You know, the fear of moving. And You know, I'm a big fan of my LinkedIn follow following of like Adam Grant and Simon Sinek and Brene Brown, and you know, and if you listen to their messaging, it's always like dare greatly, fail forward, try, go, progress, learn. You know, and it's it's that hurdle. You know, it's the it's the hey, we want to strive to be better leaders. You know, but we won't. You know. Push ourselves or limit ourselves in in the realm of fear based decision making. Mm-hmm. So, when you really want something, you figure a way, you yeah. figure out a way to get it done. You know, and when you know it has a bigger life than just you, you know, it it's actually makes that whole lot easier. Right. Trust in yeah. yourself too. Trusting mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So your
0: services now are you um you do a diversity training. So.
1: Yeah, you, you you guys take that part away <laughs> so I don't fumble it up. Yeah, yeah it's more of of inclusive. It's a, it's, it's a conversation of inclusion at mm-hmm. every level, which we'll, we'll touch upon, you know, what that means. But we help businesses improve their bottom line essentially by solving for their thorniest people problems, right? And who has not struggled out there or wish to improve um, relationships uh, and even better to improve your bottom line as a result. So that um, – that is that really is the foundation of the work that we do, right? So, you know, when we when we go into organizations,
2: we have we offer or consult with companies at many d- different levels. You know, from implementing new programs to implementing tried and trues to even kind of stress testing stress testing their policies and procedures when it comes to inclusive cultures. Okay, so how do we really, you know, how do we really address these? Again, measurement, three units of measurement, you know, and really taking and dissecting really carefully, you know, what the sentiment is between the employees and the employers, but also what are the connections that are happening, you know, within that organization that are really holding them together. Um, and surfacing what I like to call the secret leaders. you know, you have secret leaders in that organization that the organization may not have flushed out themselves, but they are the glue that are holding certain teams together. So yeah so, so I mean that's 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 one of the elements that we kind of we kind of bring but, when we talk about a holistic program, we really start talking about um, and and implementing from the very start and get-go the emotional intelligence, the emotional intelligence of the organization, the emotional intelligence of leadership, all the way down through the emotional intelligence of their new hires, okay? And then we start branching off off and dimensionalizing that thought process further and, and um, you know, a, a, attacking – excuse me, not to say attacking, but um, addressing – um age, gender, ethics, morals, personality, behaviors,
1: everything that all yeah. comes yeah, naturally yeah
0: and i don't I think that um we may not realize those are data points,
2: they are all data points.
0: and it and you know anytime you you collect data, it, it helps you tell a story, yes, you know, and sometimes it's hard to think of it in those terms. You know, because you don't want to. I mean, you're you're talking about emotional intelligence, and then you're saying, "Hey, we're going to collect these data and we, this data, and we have these data points." Mm-hmm. You know, how do you help people bridge the cap, the gap between, "Hey, you're I'm just you're just putting a number to a person." Huh. You know,
2: great question. You know, I like to call that "Don't put me in a box." Yeah, everyone here is like, "Don't put <laughs> me right. in the box," and I think that it's the fundamental understanding of again realistic expectations of what the data is supposed to be telling you and the emotional intelligence of knowing how to apply that data. Okay, there is no, you know, people should not be put into boxes. Okay, but we can measure where they are on a scale, to say, for points of development. Okay, so when I say that, I mean, you know, we'll sit there and say, Hey, um, how emotionally intelligent are you? Okay, and we can talk about it. But until you get a frame of reference, how are you going to know how to develop and where to develop? So we can ben- benchmark you you know, and, and give you the tools to know how to develop that. Okay. Then there's also a lot of surveys um, or assessments that we like to bring into the HR process during the recruiting. Okay. And if you really check the fine print, and the fine print is where the, where the details are, is yes, they're good for helping and enabling a decision, but they're not the sole source. Okay? It's something that you cannot say, oh, well, they mar- they they hit this uh, benchmark and yes they're they're a match. It, people aren't that way. People you know have good days. They have bad days. They have emotional roller coasters, highs, ups, downs, and you don't know where they are when they're taking that assessment. But it's you know. But if you keep testing and testing, yes, the d- data normalizes. But you need to use it from a gut feel, and if that gut feel comes from the emotional intelligence, mm-hmm.
0: okay. Yeah, and there are many emotional intelligence um tests out there or assessments mm-hmm. and um are there any that are better than others in your opinion
2: it, it, you would be <laughs> it'd be very it, we've <laughs> it's actually funny to believe that the emotional the the assessments that are out there when we use an HR majority of them are are derived off of two to maybe three um, psychiatrists, well known psychiatrists throughout history. So, we're not really talking about a lot. We're talking about different flavors of the same mm-hmm. um, work. Okay. There is not one, everyone has their own particular favorite, but it's knowing how to apply it is the trick. And, you know, you, the background that we really highly su- suggest is it's something that it's not, that you don't use again to put people in a box. You, it's, it, it is a assistance tool. It, it assists you to make better decisions or positioning or structural um, integrity or organization and so forth. It's it's a it's a another another avenue or another tool set mm-hmm. for you to consider when you're developing people, hiring people, and so forth.
1: That's what really sets us apart as a company. There isn't anyone out there willing to say so far that we've known, I have multiple emotional intelligence assessments. Here is the best one for you and your company based off of what you wish to accomplish, right? What you get are um, talented, brilliant people who are passionate about their one program, right? And and so what we have done is we've pulled together those incredibly talented and passionate people who have done years of their specific program and said, You're the person for this job. But we're able to go in and diagnose and assess from day one who and what you really need. Rather than you, to your point, fishing for which emotional intelligence test is the best, mm-hmm. which, what do you mean? Personality, I've heard changes. Why would I want to test my folks for personality? Gender, gender's fine. I don't know what you mean by gender. You know, and, and we, can, we can sit down and help you sort through where to start and with whom to start. Mm-hmm.
0: And why is it important for a business to assess assess their team. Well,
2: it, it's it's amazing cuz this is actually one of my favorite questions <laughs> is I haven't met a leader who doesn't want a high-performing team. Okay? And when you're assembling your team, it's almost like uh, a professional sports and assembling your your ball team, okay? And it's you want the best person for the job and know exactly what they're doing, what how they need trained, where they are, and so forth all the tools to make them successful, to make you successful as the, as the leader. So when we sit there and we think about a high-performing team, there's a couple of underlying components that are necessary that people really don't know that are a must. And there is a certain degree of stress that actually is good for the process. You know, it's But it's understanding how to select the people that have have the right amount of stress and also the right amount of emotional integrity to be able to respect one another to work together as the team. Because once you get out of balance, that's whenever productivity is impacted and we hear about the rapid decline that happens within the organization or team settings, you know, and, and leaders must be vigilant. They have to be vigilant in protecting their team, you know, and getting to the root cause of the issues you know you might have a great team and they're functioning great this year but next year something could happen if you don't know what happened you know for their performance to start going down as a leader you need to find out okay and it's that is those one of those that is when those one-on-one conversations or the coach per se needs to know what's going on in the players lives Mm -hmm. okay if he doesn't know you know he he has a game to play and it's going to be it's going to impact them on the field. It would be nice to know that beforehand.
0: Right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, and I also like um, how these these types of assessments they open your eyes that everybody's different. Yes, and it's such. A fantastic tool for a leader to have, just to know not only just the, a leader of a team, but but each member of a team, mm-hmm. just to kind of understand. Hey, not everybody operates like I do. Not everybody handles situations like I do, and it it brings in a respect um, to a team and opens their eyes to to something different. And that was always my favorite part mm-hmm. of um, assessing my teams within an organization. You know, and I remember lots of times I would you know, if I had to have a difficult conversation with someone or if I needed to start working more closely with somebody, I would bring up their, you know, their results yeah. and just remind myself, okay, this this is how this person operates. Right. And then I, it helped me, um, you know, make a quicker connection, you know, with my team. So it was it's always really compassion. nice. It's the yeah. passion, and it's... it's yeah. the empathy, the, yeah. the, that part that's like missing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, what I love about it too is we can we can correlate data to this. And that's what we're also used to um, looking at, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as business owners or in corporations, it's like, okay, what is going to impact my bottom line? And if you can make the connection between empathy and the bottom line, Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the hope is to, to introduce that into a working environment. Right. Yeah. And this this is the way you could do it.
2: The, yeah. the, the keys of leadership here we have to understand in today's day and age is especially is, you know, when we talk about high performing and we talk about stressful work environments, a high, fast-paced work environment, we also do not really think or take into consideration burnout. Okay. You know, we know fundamentally, logically, that – that pace is not sustainable. So how do you rest your people in between so they don't burn out? Those are the components are the high level um, leadership mindsets of today. Okay, because people know how to lead, they know the differences between what a manager and a leader is, but what really separates the good from the great, you know, and that is really that that component of being able to listen, adapt, adjust, and progress. You know, and that's those are the skills that they have to master to be a truly exceptional leader in today's environment. Right. All right. So you have a potential client that wants to work with you. Mm-hmm.
0: What's your pitch? What you know? What, what are you telling organizations um,
1: you know, when they, when you want them to be your client or when you know you can help them? Oftentimes, uh, they will come to us for the help, uh, and it's interesting because well, they haven't really assessed whether or not that's the area that they truly need the guidance. Oftentimes, we'll go in and and sit down and explain that the foundation often is emotional intelligence. The training there really is going to catapult them uh, into growing more naturally in the other areas that they feel they might be struggling. Uh, But for those who do not know, but, um, they're sort of in the startup growth phase, which we do have those folks who know that it's fast and furious. They're afraid of, um, losing their edge. Uh, we, we definitely come on in with the foundation of emotional intelligence. That really is, is conversation number one. And then we take a look, you know, at what their scenario is. Are they virtual? Right? Are they, are they, are they in one certain area? Are they, are, they are there people working together closely or, or not at all? they really are each end of the country. You know What is the situation and how do we get that communication to improve and be steady so that we can deliver message and content that will help guide them along the way? What makes us special is that we don't step in and then step out, right? Like oftentimes in companies you... You, you learn so much, right? You go to a class or you go to a two-day class or you can go to a four- or five-day class that your company funds and you think it's fantastic and you know you've, you, you've learned and taken away so much. But A, what do you do with it? B, how do you explain it to others? You you can't. And, and so the sustainability of it kind of just goes away really fast. And instead we... We hold your hand. We stay right by your side through that. We walk you through it. We make sure that there are exercises and constant contact. And most importantly, that Pam is tracking, you know, that data, that information as that company evolves. Uh, and so that's usually, usually the, the the cell right there where people go, oh, thank goodness! I want to know where my investment's going. I want to know right. we're making, you know, real change.
2: Yeah, our company really is on the forefront of the leadership paradigm. So we're in constant contact with the movers and shakers, the people that are progressing it through in today's society of what the new generations want in a workplace and we're talking to these people regularly so we know what's out on the brink but it's very very difficult um, whenever you're working for an organization and you're head down and you're worried about budget you're worried about you know implementation you're worried about systems and technology and everything else that you kind of sit there and think about oh wait a minute i forgot to see if this is the right path or the, the, right, the right right methodology for this company it, it's really sometimes hard to see it when you're that close to it we come out and we actually, you know, don't have that vested interest of being a yes man for you. You know, we can give you an objectional point of view and and really show you areas of opportunity to help you really hone your particular program for your particular company to get your particular outcomes. It's more people focused. It is absolutely people focused, and that I think is
0: the first thing that you lose sight of when you're an executive or a business owner, because there's just so much going on and you do, you have to be focused on profit because that's how you pay the bills. That's how you, you know, you get to pay everybody in the company. You're just, and you're focused on what's next, what's next. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's always a good idea to have someone in charge of people. Yeah, absolutely. And your people (laughs) and invest Mm in that. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've talked about, um, emotional intelligence, I also want to dive into diversity and inclusion. These are both hot topics you, you know. that are out there, also women in leadership. Yeah. And um, really walk us through how how your work helps support inclusion, diversity, women, and all of that. Absolutely. Um, but I do want to start with um, inclusion. And we mentioned, this
2: was mentioned before, but what, what is inclusion? The inclusion component, when we sit here and we talk about inclusion, inclusion, you know, we have this automatic response to sit there and think EEOC, affirmative action. Okay, we want to go to the legal definition because we have been trained in the legal definition. You know, majority of our diversity or inclusion education has come from the workplace, unless you are a social scientist or you are an activist or your life has taken you in a different direction. But in the corporate world, this is the amount of education you've been given. But we really don't think about it's in real life experiences because, again, we're being taught by our company and our corporation. What we don't realize is Gen Zers are the most, most diverse um, generation is out there. It is no longer the white majority with over 51% now being of every nationality and every culture. So we really have to start thinking more diversely in our mindset to even bring in our new workers and develop our new workforce. All the way through when you also think about you know, age, okay? Well, we still have a lot of, tra- we have some traditionalists, a lot of baby boomers, a lot of Gen Xers, and uh, the huge, overwhelming number of the millennial generation that have now come in as well. There have been a lot of struggles in, in, in mindset just between the generations of what they've experienced when they were working at that particular age and what we have to understand is they were brought up in a different time and age their problems that they experienced in their formative years are not what we exper- experienced so you know how we have to under- actually have that empathetical point of view is you know this is our reality okay and and how are we going to get to get it to work instead of getting stuck on the complaint mm-hmm. you know then we also think of um about um we start talking about gender and now i like to call it hey we need to talk about gender and then we need to talk about gender okay (laughs) because gender actually in today's workplace means two different things okay gender in the binary sense of male and female um in in the social norms okay of of gender and then there is gender of um diversity and inclusion the lgbq um, community is actually making a huge impact in today's workforce as well um, and what we're going to talk about just for today is the social norms okay of mindset so when we're it's a little bit of a tricky uh uh topic but when we talk about genders in the social context we're talking about retraining our brains of of a male mindset or a female mindset so regardless of human body it of your is just, binary gender, of your right, binary yep. gender is the social norms that you've been conditioned with.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And yeah, we were just
0: talking about this because, yeah. you know, I spent 20 years working in the, a male dominated industry and I, it was not last week in the weekend before I was in a workshop and it had like, um, you know, uh, male leadership traits and female leadership traits, but not binary. It was more just kind of opening your opening up your mind to, I am a female, but I have some male dominated traits and some female dominated traits, you know? And so is that, is that That kind of where you're going with that? That is exactly
2: it. So what we see typically in the workplace is, um, and, and this was, and, and this is what we see is we see very few women up in the leadership rungs, okay? And when we sit there and we actually talk to them and dissect and, and we look at how they're interacting, they've actually learned to quick, more quickly adapt to a male mindset to be able to communicate with their peers at that level, okay? What's missing is now, let's just say well, as you start going down the hierarchy chain and they're in charge of other women, there's it's acting like a man dealing with the emotional or the female tendencies, okay, and, and not really connecting. Mm-hmm. So just because you have a female boss doesn't mean you're going to have a better chance, okay. It is actually, again, this is the dimensional leadership of knowing understand of understanding and identifying of your employees who has a uh, a female mindset versus a male mindset, and turn and you have to be able to adjust to be able to talk with them and 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 encourage them and work with them and
1: grow them and and what motivates and understand what motivates them. The foundation of our program is the neuroscience, Mm -hmm. right? And so, of course, like we said earlier, there's a spectrum. And just as you said, you will have male tendencies. I have male tendencies. Mm -hmm. What makes Pam and I such strong business partners is that we've come to identify which part of that spectrum are qualities, and I say qualities because when you balance them both out, they're they're incredibly strong, right? Yeah. Um, we recognize it, and so literally there are moments where Pam will say, hang, "Hang, hang on, hang on, I've got my tabs open," right? Which is typically we say tendency lies in females, many many tabs open. She's going to work through them verbally. I have a tendency to go inward and I don't have the tabs open, I focus on one task at a time, a tendency that is more male. In those moments, I pause. She has literally called me out and asked me to allow her to process. And I do, knowing that in the end, our decision and our strategy is going to be that much stronger because I did, right? This this kind of training doesn't exist out there, and it should because again, it's about your bottom line and those end results. Making everybody happier for sure, but also yeah, Yeah. watching watching that increase all around and 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 happiness and yeah, we've
0: mentioned bottom line a couple times, Mm -hmm. and that we do. It is financially based, yeah, but I think. You know, in, in speaking about millennials and Gen Zers, it's mm-hmm. I think bottom line is more is going to be more than numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that trend now. Absolutely. And so when we do say bottom line, I mean we want we want a team that is working well together. They're happy. They, you know, they're they're giving you their best work, and they're doing all of those things. And that, to me, is also indicative of you know a good bottom line, Absolutely. you know, positive bottom yeah. line as well. Well, you, you know, you hear
2: a lot about employee engagement, the hot topic, especially around the area here is, I got to look at my culture and my employee engagement. Okay. Well, you know, there are numbers that are associated to employee engagement. Okay. But where we kind of fall or are lax are, how do you get people to engage, you know, and it has to come through, Education of understanding the differences. You know, you grew up, you know, as as part of one of these dimensions that we we're talking about. Okay, and you don't have experience in the other, but you can't be empathetic unless you understand. Mm-hmm. You know what the other person has gone through. You know, um, and when you talk about the bottom line, you know, th- their companies today recognize that an engaged employee is, is the most productive employee. You know, so how do we how do we keep them engaged? And one of the easiest and the best ways to really start looking at missed opportunity, in your company is um, attrition. Okay, when you look at your company, because like right now, I, I we hear a lot and we've we, we talk to a lot of people about, well, it's the millennial generation, they only stay on an average of 2.7 years. No, not really. they they're not getting something they fundamentally need for them to stay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if your attrition isn't a generational issue, it is a leadership issue. Okay. There's is something that's not jiving with them to keep them engaged. What is that? Okay. And it's only through education of knowing what drives them, that you can make sure that your company can adapt to keep them.
0: I love that you brought that up because Mm -hmm. that's also a point that is brought up often when, um, businesses say, uh, you know, they're unable to hire more women, for instance, Mm -hmm. and it's because, well, we don't have any women who are applying and it's the (laughs) same thing. And, um, you know, to your point, to your business model, it's looking inward and really figuring out what's going on. There's a reason why women aren't applying, you know, there's a reason why people are leaving. And if you look at yourself first, you know, oftentimes you'll find those answers. And sometimes you need help certainly from, from others.
2: So it's interesting that you brought that particularly up and I'm going to kind of go off into the tech realms, especially. Okay. Um, You know, getting to the, you know, asking the question of why this is, you know, it was, again, one of our, our passions of saying, hey, um, let's go to this, the um, CTO is like, okay, your numbers are abysmal, you know, in terms of getting more women in leadership. And they're like, we can't find anybody. Okay. And, 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 And so it's just like the proverbial, you know, cross point your finger and they're like, HR isn't giving me the people. Okay, and then you go to HR and HR is like, oh, yes, you know, statistically, I've given him as many female candidates as, as male. So now, now we have the, there's a little bit of a breakdown of communication there. Okay, but why do they feel those things is what we need to be asking. Why, why is that? And when we look, we can take little, little nuances that we take for granted, such as the job wreck. Okay, so we know that in our busy days, we have a, we get, we fight and we get an open position and that's wonderful. But then we don't take any care or modification to the job rec. we use a template and we fill in what we want and we say here you go hr go for it mm-hmm. okay but then we have in there that we work hard play hard well that's great and and, and yes, that, that that's 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 a tribute to again a lot of male mindset okay uh, you know women would sit there and say you know you're equally rewarded for um for performance, you know, or you can just change up the verbiage a little bit to make it more accommodating, you know, that it's not a male dominated society, you know, or a male dominated area, or we're trying to bring that in. It's just in the, let's kind of scrap that. Let's go back. No, no, that's good because
0: um, I like where you're going with that. Like for instance, you're, you're applying for a job and you have your resume, right? You don't send the same resume out to every person. No. You look at the job dis- description. Mm-hmm. You research the company, and then yes. you change your resume. You write a different cover letter. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's the same kind of thing. It's the yeah. same. Yes, it is yeah. exactly you know, the same. Thing. And you're absolutely right. Is taking that extra care into what type of, of person are we looking for? Who do we want to attract? Mm-hmm. And not only that, we're not just putting words on paper. Right. Correct. You know, exactly. we're it's we're not a copy and paste. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So definitely. Exactly. Um, you I know mean, what does work hard, play hard mean?
2: You, exactly. <laughs> you <laughs> you know? Most like women, most hard,
1: women but. actually fear it because the play hard means after hours. Right, exactly. And or, so yeah. you, you immediately, you know, that's not attractive. That's not an attractive option. Right. And um, so. Yeah.
2: And then another thing, another when it comes back to the job, works is an inter- interesting statistic that's out there is, is, um, understanding how women. React to not just, let's just say a properly worded job wreck. You know, we have on there what I like to call the purple unicorns. Okay. So it's, you have maybe eight to 10 requirements and then, and then you also have your nice to haves. Okay. Job description and your requirements are in the, in the job wreck. But they all, they always, describe a purple unicorn, okay, that this person must be this and this person must be that and this person must be this. And, you know, and it really this one person, you're talking about maybe a blend of four or five different jobs that people are like, well, I can grow into this, or I can do that. But the statistics come in and saying that when a a female looks at that job wreck, that she has a lower threshold of acceptance in those requirements than a male. So a male will say, oh, well, I got yeah, 40% of what's on there. I'm going to apply. A female has to have 60 plus percent to say that she's going to apply. So again.
0: Yeah, and you you talk about the purple unicorn. I have seen job descriptions put together based on a person that used to work in that spot. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are um have multiple responsibilities tend to have been a woman's responsibility also. Yeah. You know, um when women come in, they tend to take on more, and they can—they tend to take on more roles and take on, you know, more responsibility. So it's something else to be mindful of. Make sure that when you're putting those job descriptions together, it's not based on a person that purple unicorn, right. you know, but it's what are your needs and and really assessing what that—that's right, that is. yeah.
2: yeah. You know, just as you want the can- candidate to custom tailor their their application to you you need to do the same in, in terms of custom tailoring the job rec to the right person yeah. that you're trying to attract. Yeah, so we've covered a lot of
0: ground on this on this conversation mm-hmm. so far. I mean, it just goes to show that things are changing. Yeah, um, yeah. rapidly. Very, very rapidly. Um, millennials now make up a majority of the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, in Southern Nevada, we have the most diverse population in the United States. Yes. And it's here. It's now and it's, you know, it's time to start addressing these things and it's a big move and it's a big change. But, you know, there's a way to do it. Yeah, there you is know, a way to is, do it. There is a way to do it.
2: And remain profitable.
0: Abso- and remain <laughs> profitable. Yes, absolutely. And somebody to help you with the change and right. the fear and the how am I going to get through this and, and again, remain profitable. Right. So okay. there there is help out there. I want to cover really quickly. Um, normally I ask an individual question. You know, what is your definition of leadership? Mm-hmm. And I am interested in hearing that, but I, I would also like to know in your research and in your work, really what leadership traits, if you can summarize it, are you seeing um, that, that people should have, you know, if they if they want to climb the corporate ladder or if they, they want to be uh, get that promotion or be in that leadership position within their company? What are you really seeing um, with your data?
2: So, again, I mean, that kind of comes back to – so, in the data, let's put it this way. So, in the data is is men and women equally want the same characteristics and traits, okay, based on the generation, which, like you said – you know, it's more than 50% of the work population are now millennial, okay? And adjusting to what what leadership really means, okay, is what we're not listening to, mm-hmm. okay? And we have to also understand that that, that generation is now in, in a different stage of their life as well. So there's two elements now that, yes, they they might have said, oh, hey, what we initially thought gen- that millennials wanted, it's it's now it's changing so so how do we understand what leadership is to them okay so the the number one thing is what aren't they getting and it really comes down to fundamental things that people want to learn they want to grow they want to progress okay and if you're not covering those those three needs and, and those priorities that is what is driving them away Okay. So we really have to be al- not just, hey, I am a leader in today's organization by title, it is acting the role of being a leader and organically attracting these people to you to allow to
1: allow you to lead. Right? Okay. I think that transparency is almost the segue, right? Like no more can you speak it. You have to walk it. Mm-hmm. And this younger generation, thank goodness, is they're calling folks out left and right. And they don't hesitate. And and we can go into all the whys and social media and the whole, you know, influence there. But the reality is you can't hide behind. And if you are going to survive and thrive as a company... Uh, I think Gen Z will then add up with millennial and be 80% of the workforce by 2020. So, hello. <laughs> That's not far yeah. off. They're yeah. here, right? Yeah. And most people can't, most leaders cannot answer what the number one concern of Gen Z is. And they're shocked when they find out that it's job security, right? And, however.
0: That makes yeah. sense. I mean, their parents went through a recession, um,
1: you know. 9-11, you yeah. name it. yes. So uh, what, you, what you have to be aware of is there's going to be, there's a call out. Millennials started it, you know, calling right. folks out. Gen Z, yeah. it, it, they're not many millennials They're actually a whole different generation. And yes, so leadership is evolving and, and for sure you need to, to be able yeah. to express that growth and progression and all of those things are, are here for you in this company or you won't.
0: Yeah, it goes back to understanding what your team wants, Mm -hmm. what's important to them, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, giving,
0: providing assessments or asking, having those conversations
1: and seeing. Digging into yourself first. Absolutely. When I come to the table and I speak to you and with you and for you, it is because I understand where I'm coming from. I want to understand where you're coming Mm -hmm. from. And all of that can be obtained through assessments and this level of compassion immediately, as you said, you share you know, that how am I going to speak with this person about certain topics right. and, and even to the company based off of what I've learned about myself and the way I deliver and also what their priorities are and who they are. And, and you really, you really can access that without putting people into a box. Right. So leadership individually.
2: Yes. about that. So my definition, of course, will be different than anybody else's. It's just... I, I can only describe what true leader what have i I have experienced in having a true leader okay and what i what and the way that I describe this is is everything that we discuss and and identify you know on our checklist of what a leader should should be that it all has the emotional base connection of of happiness okay and and when I say that it was. I worked for a leader that pushed me and, and took me places I never thought I could go before. I also, she recognized talent that I didn't know I even had. She, you know, was patient and taught me, you know, and let me take accountability for my actions, but corrected me along the way and helped me not to prevent it to happen again. I was excited to wake up and go to work every day because I was going to learn something more and I was going to have fun doing it because the team together actually was very fun to be around we we enjoyed we joked we had a we had a good time um so that environment what she enabled and at that particular time and, and created was a leadership environment for her people to thrive and succeed and progress and she was respected for that she wasn't um upset or mindful about if someone would succeed her or, or, you know, branch off or go go off in their little ways or uh, interrupt our dynamics. She was actually happy for you to see you go, okay, Mm -hmm. regardless of her status, or where she was. No, she was just one of those people that was an incredibly smart cookie, and she could do it. But she knew how to drive people in the positive way in an ethical way that it was supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. So that's how I define leadership now. Based on that example. Based on that example. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, um, all right. So before we wrap up, I want to, I think this is a really important one. It's something that that I've become passionate about more recently. And uh, you have somebody in the office and you you just bump heads all the time. Mm Mm-hmm have a very difficult time connecting with them, um, as a leader, you've, you're constantly having to have difficult and uncomfortable conversations and, um, you've taken an assessment. So you're able to, to see, you know, what your personality traits are, but it's still difficult. You know, how would you approach that situation?
2: I like to use the iceberg methodology. Okay. And, and this is really the truth is any type of frustrating situation, you know, you, you You cannot control someone else's feelings. They feel how they feel, okay? And when we talk about icebergs, you know, an iceberg is only 20% visible from the top. You don't get to see the other 80% underwater. And though it might be little and cute and nice on the 20% top, underneath it could be huge. And so you don't see what's going on. You don't know what's going on underneath the visibility line if you really genuinely are bumping heads and you know you have different personalities or if it's if it's aggression you can actually detect that and actually once you refine it you can understand is it just genuinely that you have two different opinions that you can agree to disagree or is it this or this person has that 80% that's overwhelming them that's causing the problems. Mm-hmm. Okay, The best advice that I could say is ask yourself those questions to understand that. That's your why. Okay, That is what's going on. If you want to el- eliminate those problems, ask them. Be vulnerable. Be transparent. Say, I've noticed that this, what is going on? you know you know is something that i can help you with is that something that's bothering you is it something is it a roadblock i can get out of your way and h- help you you know because you know this is supposed to be a place where we come grow and learn mm-hmm. not to be miserable mm-hmm. okay and and i feel that 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 stress and that anxiety when we are together in a room so what is it you know at least when you walk out of that room and have that adult conversation You will know where they stand or you stand, okay? And you can just respectfully
1: agree to disagree. Right. We actually, and that was a beautiful way to word it, but to add to that, we actually – have a a class on, well, multiple classes on this, right? Um, This is so common in the workplace. And um, it speaks to congruence, right? It's, you're walking away, look at the part that you're playing in this, you know, you're walking away each day, absolutely exhausted from this interaction, which is then spiraling into, I'm angry that I'm exhausted. And so how do you remove yourself professionally from that situation and we were just um we were just at a meeting with um one of our team members who said you know look at that other person as if they were your client back away for a moment and treat them for a little bit just as if they were your client and all of a sudden you will notice that your mindset has shifted and you will start to unearth some of what Pam said the ability to then pull them into a deeper conversation of Mm -hmm. I like this better you know, I want this to continue, we've broken some of that cycle, how do we make sure that we don't fall back into it, and uh, we have lots of, lots of tips and tricks, but yeah, everyone's experienced it, yeah, it's tough, yeah, it is tough, tough. I like that,
0: Um, you know, think of them as a client, Mm -hmm. because the client's always right, which means you've got to be open to um, hearing them, and and understanding, awesome, Well Shiloh and Pam, thanks so much for coming in today. Thank you for having us.
1: It's so been so much, much fun. Yes. As always. As always. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, great.
0: This episode shines a light on differences and change. And if you are looking for more guidance from here, Shiloh and Pam can be found at com. So stop struggling and get the help you need. Also, if you have not booked this year's holiday party yet, Leadership Excursion Company still has some availability. Take advantage of an opportunity to combine leadership training with a unique and impactful way to celebrate this holiday season. Visit leadershipexcursion.co for more information. Thanks as always for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.